Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beauty Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautyobooks.com. And by Ocean State Bird Club. We're running new online talks about topics like owls and cuckoos to enhance your birding skills. Learn more by following us on Facebook and on our website, OceanStateBirdClub.org. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 822. Do we have a little uh, birds in the news theme music here? Maybe? This is from our hard to believe but apparently true department. From Midway Atoll in the North Pacific Ocean, guess what famous bird is in the news again? Who else but wisdom? The Laysan albatross, believed to be the oldest wild bird in the world, first banded as an adult in 1956, has just hatched another egg. Something she's done as many as three dozen times now while logging at least hundreds of thousands of miles soaring over the North Pacific and living about twice as long as the average Laysan albatross. Scientists don't know her precise age, but they're pretty sure she's more than 70 years old. Wow. This is not wisdom. This is our mystery bird. It's a preview of our mystery bird contest coming along later in the show and a beautiful prize awaits. Our long-legged mystery bird is about a foot and a half long with a three-foot wingspan. It's mostly white with pale orange-brown patches on the head, neck, and back. Our bird, which breeds over most of the U.S. and winters along the West Coast, the Southeast, Gulf Coast, and the Atlantic Coast, as far north as New Jersey, inhabits pastures and roadsides. There's some clues there as a preview of our mystery bird contest coming along in just a little bit. We have the beautiful, original, iconic A6F classic tube feeder from Droll Yankees as the prize this morning. And that feeder comes with the Droll Yankees lifetime warranty against squirrel damage. Well, as usual, we have some great stories and videos on our TalkingBirds.com website and on our Facebook page. We hope you'll check them out. Meanwhile, on our website, we also have a new edition of Debbie's Blog, created by our Debbie Bleacher. This one is about bird sexual dimorphism, which is supposed to mean that males and females, so categorized, look different from each other. But what if they don't? Hmm. You'll find an exploration of this coloration conundrum in this new edition of Debbie's Blog, now available for viewing via the Read tab at TalkingBirds.com. We have two conservation salutes this morning, both related to the fact that the U.S. has rejoined the Paris Climate Accord, that after the previous administration in Washington had pulled us out of it, and so we have reconnected with the international community in the fight against the existential threat of climate change. Conservation salute number one goes to Ford Motor Company. They were maybe a little slow getting on board the electric car revolution, but one way they're making up for lost time is through their announcement that their European division will go all electric car by 2030. 
Ford also says it will double investment in electric powertrains and vehicles to $22 billion by 2025. So Ford is joining an expanding number of car makers turning their focus to battery-powered vehicles. British-based Jaguar Land Rover says the Jaguar brand will offer only pure battery electric vehicles by 2026. And Bentley, Nissan, Volvo, and General Motors have already committed to going 100% electric in one form or another. Conservation salute number two goes to Michelin, the big French tire company, because they have committed to transporting their tires across the ocean by sailing ship. Yes, the kind with actual sails. Michelin says they'll start doing this as soon as the first cargo sailboat is commissioned, and that's expected to be in less than two years. How cool and planet-friendly is that? Merci, Michelin, et toutes nos félicitations to you. And here's our salute to more Talking Birds ambassadors helping us get out the word about birds and conservation. Thank you to Susan Tomey Barrett from Orlando, Florida, who says birding has proved to be a lifesaver for her during the pandemic. She says she's always had an interest in birds and joined the Orange Audubon group, where she's met some great fellow birders. She says we're lucky to have a variety of birding spots and always something interesting being spotted. She says, I look forward to doing more traveling and birding in other areas. Thank you, Susan. Thanks for your kind comments about our show and for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. And thank you to Matt Valiga from Naperville, Ohio. Thank you so much, Matt. And uh, Matt is also part of the Birding Bunch and the Birding Bunch podcast. Do a search for that. And uh, Matt gave me the uh, information on how to find it, and darned if I don't have it written down here, but we'll figure that out and make sure we cover that. All right. Thank you so much, Matt. We need a little uh, marching music here, if we could. So it's March, and we've given ourselves some marching orders, and that's to invite listeners to help us reach a membership level of 600 Talking Birds ambassadors by the end of this month. In order to do it, we'll need to sign up about 30 more ambassadors in March. That's about one a day, or a little less than that. Will you help us do it, Talking Birds listeners? Being an ambassador is easy. We send you some of our little info cards. You hand them out or send them at your leisure to family, friends, fellow birders, and that's about it. Sign up on our website by clicking on the Get Involved tab at the top of our website homepage. That's at TalkinBirds.com. Yes, it's still true. There's no G in talking. Go there and join our big and growing ambassadors family. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with our awesome Aussie from Melbourne, Australia. Freya McGregor will offer some thoughts about just who qualifies to be called a birder among other things. Plus, in our Let's Ask Mike segment, Mike O'Connor will offer some insight into this burning question. Do birds like hot pepper on their bird seed? And up next, a wacky-walking, sky-dancing, shore-avoiding shorebird is today's featured feathered friend. 
presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Let's do the Woodcock Walk. The American Woodcock, also known as the Timberdoodle, the Labrador Twister, the Bog Sucker, the Mud Snipe, or the Night Partridge, walks like no other bird that we know of, often rocking its body back and forth as it steps heavily with its left foot, maybe to cause worms to move around in the soil, making them easier to find. If you've never seen the Woodcock Walk, it's worth a look, and you can get a sample right now on our TalkingBirds.com website or our Facebook page. American woodcocks are short, plump, short-legged shorebirds with very long straight bills, short tails and necks, and large eyes positioned near the top of their head so the bird can watch for danger from above while probing for food below. The woodcock's wings are broad and rounded compared to most other shorebirds, and they're not found where most other shorebirds are, but rather hiding in plain sight, well camouflaged in shades of light brown, black, buff, and brownish gray, in fields, meadows, forests, and forest edges all across the eastern half of North America. As interesting as a woodcock's walk is, its biggest claim to fame is found in its mating ritual, in which the male utters buzzy peent calls from a display area on the ground, then commences a sky dance, spiraling upward as high as 350 feet above ground when his wings begin to twitter and he begins to descend, zigzagging down and chirping along the way, and then landing silently near a female with any luck, once on the ground, if a female isn't found, he resumes his painting and repeats his spectacular display flight long into the night. By the way, it's long been thought that the chirping sound the male makes on its descending flight is caused by air moving through its flight feathers. But that has yet to be determined for sure, and some experts believe the chirping is actually a vocal sound. The woodcock flights, which begin around dusk, are well underway in the month of March and may continue in some areas through May. The American woodcock, Scolopax minor, a bird with an amazing flight display and a funny way of walking, is today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. I've just been informed that uh, when we fail to give the uh, way to find Matt Valiga's uh, podcast. We also gave the wrong name of the podcast, so we kind of got that covered, but Matt, we promised to fix that and get the uh, correct information out there ASAP. Fran McGregor is the Outreach Coordinator and Ambassador-in-Chief for Talking Birds, but those things are not enough to keep her busy. She's also Coordinator and Occupational Therapist for the group Birdability. And she joins us now from her new home in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, to share some thoughts about inclusivity, diversity, and accessibility in birding. Good morning, Freya. Hi, Ray. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. We, we have you with us all the time on that long-distance way. Um, but now we have you live and in person here. We've talked about birdability before with its founder and president, Virginia Rose, a group that works to remove barriers to access for birders with mobility and other challenges. So maybe we should start with your idea 
about who gets to be called a birder. What are the qualifications, if any, in your mind? Well, that's a really great question, Ray, and I don't think there are any qualifications to be called a birder except that you enjoy wild birds in mm-hmm. some way or another, and it doesn't have to involve owning a pair of expensive optics. It doesn't have to involve walking on a trail or watching with your eyes. You can enjoy wild birds from your kitchen. You don't even need to know their names, and there's still wild birds that you're enjoying, so you can be a birder. Just by that, there's no there's no reason to have any other definition of what birding and being a birder is. And what's your feeling now? Is there thought to be some sort of qualification? Is the, why is it a problem, or is it? Well, for me, um, growing up in Australia, we always talked about bird watching, mm-hmm. um, but. Not everyone watches birds. People who are blind or have low vision don't necessarily see birds. And plenty of birders who get, who are fully sighted bird by ear, at least partially. I know I'm not very good at it, but I certainly hear birds and, and locate them by their sound, even if I don't know exactly what they are. So bird watching is sort of kind of a little bit exclusive. Um, and if we talked about birding generally, we're including all the people who don't watch but it also is more inclusive for beginner birders too because a lot of beginner birders get a bit worried about this idea of kind of whatever qualifies them to call themselves a birder and they'll say like oh but i've only you know i've only been out on five bird outings or 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 something i don't know if i can be a birder yet i mean why not if you enjoy wild birds of course you're a birder it doesn't matter you don't have to know how to id 20 migrating fall warblers to be allowed to be a birder. Any, mm-hmm. Anyone who enjoys wild bird is, birds is a birder. That's what I think. Okay, so you mentioned the term bird outing. So you're challenging some other birding terminology, including about bird walks. And uh, is bird outings what we should call them instead? Yeah, I think so. I mean, plenty of people who don't walk, who maybe a wheelchair users, who may never walk, uh, won't be offended if you call it a bird walk. But not everyone does walk. So it's really easy word swap to just call something a bird outing instead. And bird outings are inherently more um, of an umbrella term. They might involve going and sitting still at a good sit spot or in a bird blind or driving through um, a rural area and birding from your car. So bird outing is just more inclusive. And while uh, I know people might be like, well, it doesn't. if it doesn't really matter, what's the point? But as an Australian, I've had to do a lot of word swaps in my everyday language choice to be more understood by Americans who don't necessarily know what I mean when I refer to the boot of a car. Um, you all call it a trunk. But uh, so it's it's really, really easy to just switch out a couple of words. And if that makes birding more inclusive and welcoming to birders with disabilities and other health concerns and to beginner birders, then there's no negative effects of just talking about birding instead of bird watching letting everyone who wants to be identify as a birder and talking about bird outings instead of bird walks. Mm-hmm. And you call the hood of the car the bonnet, or is that just in England? Oh, no, we call it a bonnet too, <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, so what kind of feedback, if any, have you gotten on, on your terminology changing ideas, either from mobility-challenged birders, for example, or from people in what we might call the birding establishment? I've had a lot of feedback, actually, really positive feedback. No one seems to get upset about this. Most people are like, oh, yeah, that's a really mm-hmm. good point. And that's such an easy thing to just do. We can 
we as individuals have the power to choose our own language choices or to make our own language choices. So we can all make this switch really easily in what we use in our everyday life and encourage bird clubs, Audubon chapters that we belong to and bigger organisations to to adopt this um, alternative definition to birding and these mm-hmm. other words. So, yeah, everyone's been really excited to to have um, had had to hear this more inclusive option. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really cool. So, uh, speaking of exciting, uh, getting back to birdability, the group is celebrating kind of a big milestone, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's really exciting. Seven weeks and three days ago, <laughs> <laughs> who's counting? Um, uh, we we became a nonprofit organisation, and so I'm now working full time as the birdability coordinator. And my background as an occupational therapist is is really perfect for this because as an occupational therapist, my role is to enable people to do. Um, to participate in activities that bring them meaning and what's more meaningful than birding. So it's, it's really exciting and uh, we're, um, Virginia and I are really excited about the future of, of enabling more people with disabilities and health concerns to, to go birding and experience the joys that come with it. Mm-hmm. That's Freya McGregor. She's Outreach Coordinator and Ambassador-in-Chief for us here at Talking Birds and Coordinator and Occupational Therapist for Birdability. You've heard her speak, and you've heard her on our audio postcards. And if you'd like to watch and listen to her speak, you can look for her outstanding presentations under the Events tab there at birdability.org. Lots of other events there as well. That's birdability, all one word, birdability.org. Freya, thank you for your work with birdability and, of course, with Talking Birds. Thanks so much, Trey. And if anyone would like to know more about birdability, you can sign up for our newsletter on our website, which is a really easy way to keep up to date with new resources and upcoming events and follow us on social media as well. So um, looking forward to catching up with people through birdability as, as well as through Talking Birds. All right, our friend McGregor. Thank you. And coming up next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight, You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip to cross a few species off your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you want to learn more or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. That would be the sound of our mystery bird. This is our actual mystery bird contest now underway, and we invite you to call in and tell us what that bird is or take a guess at it. No correct answer always means a drawing will determine our winner. So take a guess at 781-837-4900. I'll give that number again in a moment. More about our mystery bird. It breeds over most of the U.S., and winters along the West Coast, in the Southeast, the Gulf Coast, and the Atlantic Coast as far north as New Jersey, and inhabits pastures and roadsides. And while other members of its family 
feed in the water, our mystery bird is more at home foraging in the grass. It often follows cows and horses and tractors to catch the insects that they stir up. That would be our mystery bird. What is it? 781-837-4900 is the number to call. And we generally kind of almost run out of time on our mystery bird contest quite often. So please call us as soon as you can. The prize is that Droll Yankees original, iconic, often imitated, but never quite duplicated, A6F classic tube feeder featuring durable metal parts. The Droll Yankees says squirrels can't chew, and they back that up with their lifetime warranty against squirrel damage. With this beautiful feeder that's our prize on the Mystery Bird Contest. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. And meanwhile, we'll check in with Mike O'Connor live. Let's ask Mike in just one minute. Beauty O Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology. From field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Beautyobooks.com B-U-T-E-O Beautyobooks.com My name is Elizabeth Hughes and I'm calling from Newport, Rhode Island. As soon as I started listening to the show, I started telling people about it and how happy it made me. <laughs> I realized I already was a Talking Birds ambassador and I thought I'd just make it official. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family. Just visit our website, click on Get Involved at the top of the homepage at TalkingBirds.com. We do this every week. We connect with Cape Cod, Massachusetts, down in the Orleans place there. And Mike O'Connor is there with the uh, Bird Watchers General Store and and also with the Talking Birds radio program. And uh, here he is now. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Ray. And down here in Cape Cod, the goldfinches, the goldfinches are changing color. I got I got goldfinches on the feet here, and they're all getting kind of patchy wow. looking. So, wow. uh, What color are they changing to? I don't know. I can't see them that closely. They're too far away. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they're getting their yellow. They're going from their drab, wintry plumage to uh, the males, at least, are getting uh, patchy, brighter yellow. So spring's coming, yo. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for that sign of spring. And the, I guess the question now is, uh, do those goldfinches like to eat seed with hot pepper? This is kind of a controversial thing, and I don't know that it's been resolved. The hot pepper is to keep the squirrels from eating the seed, because the squirrels, I guess, definitely don't like the hot pepper. But what about for the birds? Yeah, we got that We got that question from our friends, uh Doug and Lisa, is that their name? I'm from Iowa. Doug and Lisa out in the Des Moines area in Iowa. Yes. Yeah, they're my favorite people from Iowa, of all the people I know from Iowa. They're my yeah. How, how many do you know? Do you? Well, besides Doug and Lisa, uh, that's, well, probably, that's enough, right? That's Isn't that yeah, enough? Sure. They're, yeah, they're, they're cool. They're great representatives of the um, of the um, uh, Iowanians. Yeah, it's not the Buckeye State. That's that's Ohio. <laughs> it's the uh, it's the Hawkeye State. Uh, right? There you go. That's a bird name. That's a better. Yeah, that's yeah. a better word. Anyways, yeah, that hot pepper thing has been uh, controversial forever. Back in the nineties, a company came out with a product called Squirrel Away, which was a little package. It, it, it looked like uh, a Kool Aid that you mixed in with your bird seed, <laughs> and uh, the idea was the hot pepper, the cayenne, or the capsaicin would be hot for the squirrels and they wouldn't eat it. 
the trouble was you had to mix it in yourself, and a lot of times people would get that get it on their hands, they get it in their eyes, and it was it was kind of an ugly scene. And the other part is, if you didn't mix it in well, which apparently nobody did, the squirrels uh, would eat the seed anyway. So they got, that product, as far as I know, isn't made anymore. But mm-hmm. other companies have taken that information and carried it to where they take their own seed. You don't mix it with your seed. They, they sell you the seed with the stuff already added. They kind of spray it on, or they adhere it somehow. And uh, this way, you don't get, have as much problem of mixing it and getting it on yourself, and it seems to work much better. Mm. So that that's the good news. Mm. The bad news is the product typically costs twice to three times more than regular bird seed. Really? So yeah, yeah, it's a very expensive mm. process, apparently, or or just, just don't make much of it, so it's expensive. So does it work? It seems to, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it does, does seem to work, but it's expensive, and it's controversial. Some of the, like Cornell recommends nobody do that they don't they don't like the idea of that mm. others will argue that birds have evolved to eating hot things mm. and you know because the, the the plants the hot pepper plants would rather birds eat them than mammals when mammals eat this the plants they digest the seeds mm. and uh and the seeds aren't spread around. When birds eat it, they fly away, and the birds go right through this. Uh, the, the birds, the seeds go right through the system, and the and the plants are dispersed better. Mm-hmm. So hot pepper plants or similar uh, encourage birds to eat them. But that's in an area where the birds are used to it. Up here, say, with New England or Iowa, they're not used to that, and there's a concern of the is, is it affecting the birds. Right now, there's no evidence that it's bad for the birds, mm-hmm. but this some. Some organizations are still uncomfortable with it, uh-huh. but more more to the point, it's just expensive. Yeah. Does it work? It seems to. Is it bad for the birds? Mm-hmm. Possibly. Mm-hmm. But you're better off, I would say, just going through the steps of getting a squirrel-proof feeder or one with a baffle, and then you don't have to pay the extra money, and you don't have to worry about it if it's a problem, and you don't have to get it on your hands. Wow, you talked me into it there. I would continue this, Mike, but I feel a sneeze coming on, so I'm going <laughs> to... Say goodbye for now. Ah, bless you, Ray. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you next week, Mike. You got it. <laughs> Mike O'Connor there at the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatching Magazine has a new membership program. Benefits include detailed bird ID articles from Ken Kaufman and David Sibley, tips and stories about bird photography, access to quarterly e-workshops on identifying and photographing birds, and complimentary print and digital subscriptions to Birdwatching Magazine. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com slash memberships. Back to our mystery bird contest, trying to identify this mystery bird, about a foot and a half long with a three-foot wingspan, mostly white with pale orange-brown patches on the head, neck, and back. Our mystery bird contest is presented by Red Start Birding. Red Start Birding is your new resource for birding optics, gear, and expertise. Great birding starts at Red Start Birding. Dot com. And we have Renee somewhere in northern Virginia. We got a lot of calls from Virginia lately, which is great. So Renee is on there with a maybe an answer to our mystery bird. Good morning, Renee. Hi, good morning, Ray Brown. How are you? <laughs> I'm well. Even better speaking with you because you sound so wonderfully chipper. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> you must think you have the right answer. Do you think you have it? Okay. What do, what do you think? Um, I think it's a uh, cattle egret. Ah, boy, you knew that it was a cattle egret. Absolutely right. <laughs> 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 
Congratulations. You are absolutely correct. Thank the you. Cattle Egret will send you that beautiful prize. I think we have to, oh, no, we, I don't know if we have time for our bonus question. I don't think we do. I, I shouldn't have mentioned it, but we'll do it again next time. Uh, and and congratulations. Time. <laughs> Stay on the line, then we'll get your info. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Renee. <laughs> correctly identifying the cattle egret. Yes, so um, we don't have time because I want to mention next week's show. And the way birds can use the magnetic fields of the earth is a fascinating part of bird migration. And there are some new developments in our understanding of how that works. We'll find out about those new developments when we welcome a guest from Bangor University in Bangor, Wales. United Kingdom next week. Professor Richard Holland will be with us talking about a new migration study involving the Earth's magnetic field, study of which he was a part. That's right here on Talking Birds next week. Thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, our assistant, Audrey Stack, and our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautyo Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautyobooks.com. And by Ocean State Bird Club. We're running new online talks about topics like owls and cuckoos to enhance your birding skills. Learn more by following us on Facebook and on our website, OceanStateBirdClub.org.